Hey gang, there are fewer things I regret more than not investing in Zoom when I had the chance. How was I supposed to know there was going to be a pandemic and Zoom stocks would explode? Looking back 20 years from now, I don't want to have the same sinking feeling sitting on the sidelines knowing I could have jumped on another bandwagon sooner. Luckily, we know what the next big boom in retail automotive is, and that's why companies like Fortellus have provided the tools to create unique apps that will help your dealership meet the demands of the market. You see, no two dealers operate the same way. The beauty about Fortellus is that you can pick and choose the apps and workflows that help you meet the demands of the market while catering to your operations. Not only has Fortellus created an amazing technology platform that's designed to make life easier for dealers, they are pouring back into the community with events like their Dealer Dev Day. It's a three-day event that empowers attendees to network with each other to create smarter, faster, and better apps for the dealer community. So, my beloved DPB gang, the best thing that you can do right now is visit the Fortellus Marketplace and browse through their growing library of apps and integrations that will allow you to run your business your way. Visit Fortellus.io to learn more. That's Fortellus.io. I was just recently working on a blog post and remembering back to my days in sales. Yeah, back in the day when I sold cars <laughs> before the internets. Um, you know, and, and when I used to sell vehicles originally, I was that guy that, w- that would go out and I'd take a picture of you with a camera. Remember these things called cameras that had film? <laughs> Once a week, I'd go to the local drugstore and wait a day to have them developed. It was a neat process. You know, two prints, one for the customer to send them and an email in an actual envelope with a stamp, thanking them for their purchase. <laughs> Wait, another one that many, I would how many card. how many personal photo printers have you bought right like you remember when those came out you're like wait I can print oh, these yeah. off at home yep <laughs> and they were like three so, grand or something oh, crazy like that plus ink <laughs> so yeah you know, I, I would I would stick these on a, on a on a just a card and I kept card boxes and anytime I connected with a customer I would contact them every year I would remind them I would send them birthday letters I would work with them when I knew that customer was coming in to see me on an appointment, I'd pull out that card and I'd look at that picture and I'd look on the back of the card and there I had written down the names of their kids, what they did, what kind of career their aspirations were, what their other vehicle purchases were, what else I sold them. When they were in for, every time they were in for service, I'd make a note. I kept this nice little sheet for one simple reason. I knew that I could only survive in sales based upon my relationship with that customer. Everything began with that relationship. That's why I didn't just sell 10 cars a month. That's why I was a 25 to 30 car a month guy. And if I went from dealership A to dealership B, those 25 or 30 customers came with me because of the relationship. And this is the thing that, that always blows my mind when we, when we fast forward and look at technology today and we think about something like we were talking about e-leads, that's a CRM. Okay. What does CRM stand for? Customer Relationship Management. But ask most dealers what the R is, and they're still trying to understand that and figure that out. I remember in you know 1999, 2000, setting up an early internet internet uh, sales team, and we used an ILM, Internet Lead Management, and then we advanced out of ILM into CMS, Customer Management System. We were managing the leads, we were managing the customers. 
It wasn't until recently that the idea of managing the relationship was even added into, into, the, into our vernacular. And ask most dealers today what they manage. They manage the process rather than the relationship. The beauty of what we're doing with Fortellus is we offer new tools to take that CRM and really make the relationship key. We can now immediately understand more information about that customer. So when we build a response, it's the right response. We can communicate in a timely way when someone's in for service. We can communicate in a more relevant way when we're talking through a sales process. We go from just a management tool where we're not just working with the customer, we're, we're actually doing what we're supposed to. We're not taking that customer relationship. And that's the part that we're trying to manage. Make sense? 100%. And I love that because I, I would say out of the 500 plus episodes of the podcast, a solid 60 plus percent of them specifically speak to the importance of relationship. And so here we are starting with the tech conversation and we filled that bucket for all the tech nerds that are part of the DPB gang. But then it always, always, always finds its way back to relationships, not just any relationships. Why would you even want to manage the relationship so that you can build a trusting relationship? I do have one question kind of as a sidebar. You're going to have to dig deep back into your your frontline days. How in the balls can a car sales professional find out what someone's career aspirations are or life aspirations are? Because I feel like today people are triggered over the, the mustard that was too yellow on their Ikea hot dog. How do you approach, like, let's just talk about how you did it back then. How do you find out that level of information, what the kids are interested in? I feel like if I asked somebody what their kids were interested in today, they'd be like, who's asking? <laughs> what? Why do you want to know that? You stepping? You know where I live? You know, it's like this kind of a weird, get out of my face. You know, it's like, that's, how did you do that? How did you approach that to even get that kind of data? Well, you, when I would actually look at my cards, if I was lacking that data, first of all, I would step back and say, okay, what did I not do right in my process? If I didn't establish trust early in that process, then I wasn't able to ask those questions or get those answers, which means I failed probably as a salesperson to initially do what I'm supposed to do. And that's establish trust and then build a relationship. You can't build a relationship if it's not built on trust. That's the cornerstone. Um, and so for me, a lot of times, that discussion might begin with how, you know, obviously you've got the general greed at the dealership. You find out what they're, you know, at a high level, what the need is. Okay. We've identified that they're looking for a new vehicle. We might've verified what type of vehicle they're looking for, what its use case is for. And that use case, oh, you're commuting. Oh, really? Oh, do you, where, where do you commute to? Oh, you work at so-and-so. How is that? Oh. Is, is that uh, where you see yourself in a couple of years? And you just shut up and let someone talk and you build that bond. And so when you're in that test drive and you load the three kids in the car and, hey, there's, there's Billy. Hey, Billy, how old are you? Seven. Cool, Billy. You know what you want to be when you grow up? An astronaut. That's pretty cool. I can have that conversation because the trust has already been established. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a clubhouse room the other night 
and it was like sales versus marketing or, or no sales, per personal brand versus sales. And as you were speaking and I'm writing notes, um, I, I it brought to mind people deliberating for over an hour, sales tactics. And then you go, Michael, what's your opinion? And I'm like, well, I believe that no sales tactic will work if you are a dick of a human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the reason I think about that, not because I think Brian Miller is a dick of a human, quite the contrary. You're, you're sitting here. I'm writing notes. I wrote down, shut up and let them talk. Uh, Ask go, going a step further by asking them where they work. Like everything I think about relationships and like fortifying the trust comes from just this innate desire to be a good person. And good people care about other people. Good people care about letting other people talk. Um, most experiences that I've had purchasing vehicles Nobody's even cared to ask if I have kids, let alone <laughs> include them in the test drive and ask their age and what they want to be when they grow up. Like to, to take that level of interest, I think is, is very uh, interesting. So now let's say we acquire this information in this tech ecosystem. Human being collects information. What do I do? Where do I go from here? What do I do with it? I put it into my CRM and then what CRM connects to what, what would be an example of what I could connect my CRM to, to make better use of this data that I've collected. So it may not be as far as even having to put that information into your CRM We're mm -hmm. we're trying to get away from these large amounts of data being concentrated in specific areas from a security reason. And just from a, from a daily processing point, if that information exists over here in the, in, the, in the DMS, all I need to do is I need to understand where the data is. I just need to flip to that old card I used to use, turn it over, and get the information I need, put the card back in the box, and step away from it. And using that same analogy here, let's say I'm at the dealership, and I'm about to send an email, and I'm at the service lane. Well, I'm, I'm contacting this customer and I hit a button and that button can go over and say, okay, this customer has been to the service department three times. Each time it was the same problem reported, not yet fixed. So I know how to craft that email. On the flip side, it may be that person has, this is their third vehicle with the, with the company. That being that it's the third vehicle, that may change the way I address them from a loyalty perspective. What, what offerings I may be able to provide to ease a problem. I could look at it and say, wow, the last three cars, they've always done a tire rotation and a detail. Great. That's an automatic upsell opportunity. Having those data points, just using the example of the service lane, gives me a lot more power to do what I need to do quickly. And at the same time, it may not necessarily need to be all done at once. Maybe I'm using a contact system that's that I schedule the appointment and I get the message coming through an SMS. And in that SMS message, I say, oh, by the way, we see you usually have detail work done. We have somebody available that can have it done. Would you like that as well? Mm. So you push the conversation over to there. And then when that customer comes back and they drop off the car, they're off on their way, maybe that communication system is now saying, you're, 
car's almost done. We're ready to have you come back and pick it up. Once again, we just want to thank you for, for, for purchasing three different cars from us. We value you as a customer. Man. If I got that instead of just, your car's done, which one do you think is going to remind me to go to that dealer more? Oh, my gosh. I'd be tying this. I, now my brain's moving on. I, I would be tying this into some sort of, well, first of all, um, you know, creating some sort of a loyalty Pro, an internal loyalty program. Forget like whatever the OEM programs might be and how they try and get you into it. I'm creating an internal loyalty program. So you're saying I've got a repeat customer. I have that information readily accessible to me. I would be integrating that with my loyalty program so that when I pull up that card, it's telling me as the rep, they qualify for this VIP experience Mm-hmm. And that thing would be tied into profit margins so that I'm not constantly wondering as the dealer principal or as the business owner. Yeah. But if I do that for them, is it cutting too deeply into my profit margins? Like, so <laughs> well, yeah. I would, I would have it almost tied into some sort of profit calculator where it's like, no, on their second visit, I, I, as the service rep don't have to ask permission. I am automatically authorized because I see it up on my screen that Mr. Miller who has come back for this second service appointment to get a tire swap and a fluid swap and an oil change that we are going to buy him and his wife dinner at their favorite keto restaurant. And boom, it because I don't have to ask permission. I don't have to go to my manager. It's no brainer, like right in front of me. And all of that is tied into my system. Sure. Like people are doing punch cards. Why can't I have like something that ties into my own internal uh, hospitality system. This is something that nobody ever thinks of. And imagine what would happen. You come in for a service appointment for something as routine as an oil change. And I'm walking out with a hundred dollar gift card. Like basically see, but what happens is because we never reconcile quickly enough, the, the financials, we don't think that we're making any money then. Well, wait, how did we make money on the oil change? You made money on the oil change because you just invested a hundred dollars to keep that customer coming back for the next two years. Sure. And if you're running into the sales log, you can look and see that maybe that customer, okay, this guy might've been the guy that, 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 you know, he grinded us on three new car deals. We know what the potential gross is in future sale over there. Then again, this might be the guy who grinded us once on a, on a new car and then brought his daughter in and his, his sister in, and we just conked them both over the head on a used car. Can I say that on the air? <laughs> you just did. So, so you're like, okay, there's an obviously a big value in this guy because he's a new end use car buyer and I have a greater gross potential just in the future sales. Never mind the service side of it. Mm, and uh, to see the tie-in without, th- this is the part that's appealing to me. Little to no intervention on my part is going to actually empower my team to do more serving. Sure. To, to, to be like, wait, because now I'm thinking even in that context. He's a new and a used vehicle uh, uh, customer. But if I could pull up right away and see anybody that he's referred to me or anybody else in his family that has also purchased a vehicle, now I get a great sense on this one flip card that's created by this, this integration of how much generational and lifetime value potential I have on this customer. And what's even what I think is even brilliant going a step further, because I know what some might be thinking, well, 
then how do I avoid my team judging an individual who might not have as much lifetime value potential? Well, that's simple because then you're going to have a process baked into this that says, here are steps you can take to encourage that customer to come back to increase probability of lifetime value. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned this, you you mentioned hospitality Um, in a future world or in a future world, this will happen again. But in the past world, before COVID, you and I spent a lot of time in hotels on planes Mm -hmm. and uh, we, we tended to be loyal to certain brands. For me, I was loyal. uh, I was loyal to the Hilton brand. I've been a diamond member for years Every time I walk into a Hilton property, what they see, first of all, they see, oh, Mr. Miller's a diamond level. So I'm going to address him a specific way because he's a I, diamond I level. I never guessed. I was thinking like Motel 6. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I've been to that specific location, if I've been that, they know every time I've been to that location. Let's right. say I complained twice about the HVAC system. Right. When they schedule my appointment and they see, or when they schedule a room and they see them coming in, as a diamond member, this the process is diamond member complained about the same problem twice. Check the room before he gets here. Mm. Now, if I'm just a silver level, they look at it a little differently, but they're always trying to move me to the gold level and move me to the diamond level. They're trying to encourage behavior to get me to that level. That's the same approach that we can do within our industry, but it all begins with looking at those little morsels of data in the right way. And we can access all that data in near real time by utilizing uh, a platform like Vertelis to get the information we need. I'm Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.